Welcome to the Next Step Podcast with Jay. And Brad. Wait. Wait. I'm Brad. I'm Jay. I'm an All act. Right. All right. Is that five minutes for what? We're gonna do the news, Jay. Okay, let's do it. Uh, dun, 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 dun. Do it live. All right. What do you want to talk about? Addiction or uh, churchy stuff? I like churchy stuff first. Okay. So you would relate to this, which is the social media fast that the president of our yeah. church uh, encouraged our youth to do. All about it. He didn't say timing, but I think a lot of people did it that first week. Um, he did say a seven-day fast, though, right? Yes. Okay. But he said, pick a time to do a seven-day fast. Take a break from the fake, I believe was his terms. I love that. Uh-huh. Take a break from the fake. And I've been uh, talking about that with my students that aren't necessarily members of the church. Um, but even them talk about when they're not on social media, how much better they feel. But this article, it was in good for, uh, goodforutah.com. Okay. Um, they interviewed several young people who are members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, many of whom participated in the social media fast that lasted seven days. Um, And these are some quotes. I started noticing that social media was sucking out a lot of my life, said 17-year-old Sarah Jane Hale. I realized my self-esteem was lowering. She said, many teens report feeling inadequate due to social media overuse, constantly seeing the fun things their friends and followers are doing. They call that FOMO, by the way. Have you heard of FOMO? Mm -hmm. What does that stand for? Uh, Fear of missing out. That's right. Yeah, FOMO. FOMO. That was a hashtag I used quite a bit. Was it? Okay. At the end. So here's a psychologist, Dr. Kurt Kundick, a psychologist with Intermountain Healthcare, said, It's associated with kids who are depressed. There's some thought that it may be contributing to the suicide rate, he added. Many of the teens who spoke with News 4 LA said they felt Nelson's call to action was inspired by God. Were they all inspired by God, Jay? Yes. Were they? Because you mentioned a... Oh, wait, what? You mentioned some teens that oh, did not oh, react. Oh, oh, sorry, sorry. I thought you meant was a prophet inspired by God. I know of course, he was inspired, Of course, of course he was. No, no, no. So my, my mother-in-law helped us with the move um, from our house. And um, anyways, she was saying she read the, some some quote, like, like or whatever. What did the church post that? Like their... It was just on LDS.org. On LDS.org, there were comments. Oh, but it might have been on some Facebook page some or type, whatever. Yeah, some, some type of social media where people could comment. A lot of youth were commenting like that, just spiritual, inspiring. And there was a lot that were like, there were a lot of youth saying, how, how dare the prophet take things away from us. And she just said it broke her heart to see how many kids are so hooked to things that, and so distorted with their views of what this thing's all about, you know, meaning life. And uh, that that they thought that the prophet's taking things away and that he, he should be giving them things, not taking things away. And it's just funny because, once again, he invited them to a fast. He didn't take anything away. Are you kidding? Like, the prophet... Anyways, but but obviously... <laughs> you were it's fired like, up way more about that. I was than when, way, you, when you told me, like, can you believe... I was really fired up that day. Yeah. I'm tired now. But at the same time, it's still... It's a symptom of society. It's a life. symptom. It's a symptom of the Laman and Lemuel, right? Like it's the yeah. it's the stories of the Book of Mormon. It's it's the the children of Israel. It's it's the J. Maryfields. It's all these people. Like you know, like it's we go, we go up and we go down and 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 uh, pride cycles and 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 all sorts of stuff. But you know, I I, I hope. I'm just grateful that some of those kids, um, I, I would assume the mass majority who took heed to it have found a spiritual experience because I've been off now for two months. 
almost. And uh, I was talking to someone during the meeting who also has been off for a couple weeks. And even he said he's one of our friends. He said he's loving life right now. He's like, isn't it so rad? And I'm like, dude, it's my awesome. wife wants to know, well, you're, we're going to Mexico uh, in mm-hmm. a few weeks, mm-hmm. um, and you keep yeah. posting pictures on the thread. It's like, why does Jay like, I'm like, he doesn't have social media. This is his social media, and he's super pumped. Like, where else yeah, do you yeah. share it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because so it, it brings back our old to the world. Sure. I know. It's I, actually, yeah. I love it. Yeah, yeah. But she was, yeah, I'm like, do you remember how many selfies and whatever he posts on social media? She's like, oh, yeah, that's right. I'm like, he's really not sharing that much on this. Yeah, no, no, this he, is nothing. Yeah. Yeah. This is the bring back memories. And like I was like saying, once a day. and I feel like I'm connecting now with people, like, you know, right? Like, social media is out there for the world. And just the thought that, like, I remembered in my new, in newly in my recovery, and when I'd see families that were together having fun, they were young and my age, I remember them for the singles where it looked like they bought a house or whatever they were doing. I, I was pretty bummed that we were living with family. FOMO. And FOMO. I was definitely missing out. I was like, man, why, why are they happy and I'm not? And so to think, and, and here's the sad part. We, me and Lexi had had people reach out to us and said that um, they felt that way about us, you know, mm-hmm. like uh, that people were doing the same thing. Like, you guys always look like you're always having fun and all that stuff. I was like, dude, you have no idea what it's taken to get to this level where we're having fun and we still have a lot of crappy days. But no one, everyone, no. even the people who post, like, have a crappy day. Their hair is perfect. Yeah, their hair, yeah, It's yeah. like I'm at the beach. I'm in my BMW. Exactly. But like, Life's rough, you know. Well, yeah, this, like, you know. Like I know some I know. motivational thing about a rough, but like if you look at the image, it's like wow, your life yeah. looks pretty good. Exactly, and what I'm getting at is I'm stoked that I'm not even I I, don't, I I am not a part of right now, and I'm still part of it in a lot of other ways because like, none of us are perfect. But I'm I'm I've I've unplugged from a way that the adversary can use my life to negatively influence someone else's. If that makes any sense. Um, I used to contend with a lot of people on there if they didn't share my political view. Now I can care less about politics, by the way. But, I mean, I still have my views on what I think society should be, of course, but I don't stress. I mean, dude, you yeah. remember I was getting out of control. Oh, yeah. Out of control. It caused some contention in you. Yeah, anyways. Okay, next article. I feel free. We were going to go quick. We got a great Ask the Attic coming up. It's yeah, Brian. Yeah. It's coming back on. Brian was on ep- one of our uh, first one-point episodes. 1.10, 1. 1. 10, 10, I, I think he said. said yeah. So this is a while ago. If you're a long-time listener, What, what kind of Brian. news is this? What is this? This, this one. This one is out of the Daily Universe, which is the BYU paper. I don't know if you realize that. Oh. Sugar addiction prominent in Mormon culture. What do you know? Breaking news. Dun, dun, dun. dun, 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 dun. Dude, oh my gosh. After what? fast Sundays, like, I remember going to the singles board, and I'm like, I've never seen so many cookies. Linger long. Any trajectory is like sugar everywhere. Everywhere. Right. I, I had an eight-pack when I joined the church, and then oh, that thing withered away quick. So are you telling me you can be addicted to things that are... Not against the word of wisdom? I never understood that because when I first learned the word of wisdom, it was all about the don'ts. And so I did them. I was hardcore about it. But I remember thinking, like, why why, like, why are we shoving sugar down our and white, mm-hmm. white flour down our, like, you know, and thinking, I don't know. What I've, I've said this to you and I've said this to other people. If you're obese in the actual medical term. Medical Medically obese. obese meaning, like, no, what, what I'm saying is if you're, if you, because I've met people like this, if you're severely overweight to the point where you're having health issues and it could shorten your life and you're not going to live a fruitful life with your children, your grandchildren, whatever it is. And and yet you are judging people that drink smoke and drink coffee. Like, I think you need to re, you need to, you need to reprioritize. Like, you need to understand that it's not only about the don'ts. As far as, like, the bad, negative bad thing, this is also part of it in a sense. Like, he's talking about eating healthy. I mean... So this guy said, it's almost impossible to think of having a Mormon gathering without some junk food. 
Just like it's impossible for people who aren't members of the church to imagine getting together without alcohol, we have replaced one with the other. Ooh. This guy, his name's Bickman, said he cringes when he sees people lined up at the drive-thru of popular soda shops at 8 a.m. Have you been to Utah for these soda shops? Yeah, I've heard about them. I yeah, there's like, like, there's this one in Provo, so delicious. Soda-licious, get it? Oh, that's good. There's really the tiniest little building. The front of it's a like barber a, like shop. Like the old J-Dogs? Like the little one? Yeah, it's Anyways, tiny. Yeah. Maybe 10 by 20. Oh, wow. The front's a one-chair barber shop. That's how big it is. Sick. The back of it is so the soda-delicious, and it's a drive-thru, and there's a line all the just way to the university. Just to get a soda? Just to get a soda. Right? Yeah, but they put, like, vanilla and all Yeah, but it's just, like, the coffee they're shops. Good. They're good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So these people are, like, judging people down at Starbucks. Yeah, for street, sure. But yet they're getting a 32-ounce sugary caffeinated soda. Full, for sure. Now, That's I'm what not, I'm talking about. Now, I'm not saying I, I do think it is, uh, uh, well, drinking coffee is against word of wisdom. Yeah. But I don't think you're in the clear if you're up at 8 a.m. every day grabbing a— And you, uh, can't, you can't not go to your thing without your sugar. Um, that much sugar will have in your bodies, eating sugar. Even President Nelson has talked about in his talks about... What's the leading being, cause being, of health, heart disease? Receiving personal revelation is you got to be physically... you got to be in good physical shape as well. Like, you can be in, in not physical shape because of diet or because of lack of exercise, things like that, that will affect your ability to receive personal revelation. Amen. Um, and that's medical doctor, so he's... He Medical doctor and the prophet well, <laughs> combined. The prophet's probably pretty important on that list. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, and we've had people come to our meetings and do the 12 steps over sugar and food. And, and we've had ad- drug addicts say that when they overeat, it's, oh, it stimulates the same negative feelings in their mind. We just, we're going to have we're one. We're going to have Brian. Soon. Yep. So we stay tuned. Yes, the addict uh, before this. Before so the news. Brian the definitely news talks last. about that. So, I think um, that links in perfectly. Yeah, sugar's number one cause of heart disease, which number one cause of death in the, in the country is still heart disease. So that, how do so. you like this one? This is a, a quote from uh, this uh, Ben Hill. He's a psychology professor at BYU, addiction therapist for more than 30 years, specific um, a lot of eating disorders. He said, this is really cool. Eating disorders are very difficult. He said, it's compulsive behavior that's very deadly or similar to an addiction which is just a compulsive eating, right? Mm-hmm. Hill said people often may have a spiritual deficit or other lack in their lives that causes them to turn the food or sugar in order to self-medicate. He referred to these addictions as, quote, divine diversions. I Whoa. like that. That's a new word I'm going to start using. Divine diversions. Yeah, because you've used the, the counterfeit. Yeah. I've used the counterfeit because I heard you say it. That's a good one. So divine diversion. It seems to help the problems initially, but eventually cause people to suffer physically, spiritually, and emotionally. Send me this link right now. Like, tech, yeah, text it's me this On link. our Facebook page. Oh, you're not on, on there. On Facebook. Yes, yeah, send okay. me the link. I'm going to send this to you. I want to share that with some people. Okay, I'm going to share this with you, nice. and we're going to wrap up the news. That's it. We're going to go to uh, share, yep. and then we're going to go ask the attic with Brian. Um, Brian uh, knew... Ba- Left the church at like 16, 17. 17. 17 years old. Went on a partying way. Hadn't stepped foot in the church years. for He's 15, 41 now. 16 years. More than that. It was like almost uh, 20 years. Yeah, 20 something years. And then only came to ARP just to get sober. Recommended from a friend. We'll go and recap this. And then uh, you're going to hear about what he's doing next week. It's pretty awesome. So stay tuned to that. On that note as well. Um, thank you for your emails and letters. If we send them in. Totally. We'll do some uh, listener emails next week. So send us some direct messages, emails. We'd love to get to those. We got a few piled up, but if you got some new ones, shoot them over to us. Yeah, you guys rock. Anything else, Jay?
Do you want to go to bed? I want to go to bed. All right. That was some good news, though, actually. Send me that link. I'm going to send you right now. Okay, bye. Bye. Late. Give me a quick, um, grateful to be here. I feel like the whole time, like, my head was like like a bobblehead. I'm just, like, listening. I'm like, yes, yes. Like, my neck hurts right now (laughs) from bobbling. Because, like, everyone in this room has been prepared for this moment, like, to be here tonight. And, like, I remember when me and Brad um, first got called to do this thing and sat in this room. No one in this room that's here today was here. And I remember thinking, uh, me and Brad were like, we got here super early and flexy and like set everything up. Like, who's going to show up? Like, hope someone comes. Hopefully there's one person comes, you know? I knew me and Lexi had been through so much crap and I knew that I had suffered so much and she had suffered so much. And I knew that Brad, not through his life, but people in his life that he cared about, he had been through this, you know, he, he's watched people his whole life too deal with this addiction. And, and he knew he was in the right place at the right time, just like we were. And, um, it's crazy to look back and, you know, I think May is a two years now? Cinco de Mayo. Cinco de Mayo. It's two, right? So we're going in three? That's three years, yeah. This thing is way bigger than us. I, uh, last week, you know, I had, uh, I woke up like any other normal morning. I missed the meeting on Tuesday. And I was like, okay, I'm going to go to the meeting on Wednesday, you know, or I'll go Thursday. It's not a big deal. And first thing, I woke up to a phone call from the old facilitator, San Clemente, that was the first person that gave me hope and recovery when I first went. I identified with her story, and she had gotten her whole life back from sobriety. Except for this time, I got a phone call at 7.30 in the morning being sworn at by someone who is caught up in her addiction so bad that she's been been drinking for the last year and a half, and she had been on a five-day blackout of almost 12 to 15 bottles of vodka. And um, this is a single mom who's who's trying to raise a nine-year-old who's that father had passed away just a year and a half ago so this kid only has one parent and that one parent has lost all of her recovery and is is captive and and um she's screaming at me and over a facebook post had nothing i'm like i'm so confused what was happening at 7 30 in the morning and and i was able to finally just shut her up for two seconds and say what are you talking about like you need help and I've taken this person to, to uh, 5150, which you don't know what that is. It's where you go to a hospital and say this person's trying to kill themselves. They're harm and danger themselves. They need to be locked down for 30, you know, however many, three days. And I just did that a few months back. And I said, do you want help? You're going to die. And I'm going to have to go to your funeral and see your son with no parents. Is that what you want? And she's still trying to scream. So I screamed louder. And I felt like I had to. And I've never yelled at her before, but I felt like I had to. I said... Do you want help? Because I'm done, and so is everyone else. And she stopped talking. She said, I want help. Hung up the phone right away. Hung up right on her. I had been in a fight with Lexi for the last 24 hours straight, and uh, I promised her that she would have time away and all this stuff, and I looked at her as she walked in the room and said, I got to go. I know I promised you all these things, but you know what? I can't not go and do this right now. I made a commitment to Heavenly Father that if he'd help me, if he'd help me, I would never always go, which is a 12 step. And she just looked at me and said, go. And uh, she's pissed, but she said, go. And uh, <laughs> I called the people that I know are working with this girl in her ward. Little did I know that they had been praying and fasting 
for the last 48 hours that she would surrender and that she would go into treatment. And they had treatment teed up. I hadn't talked to them. I hadn't talked to her in over a week or two. And little did I know that for the last 48 hours, the powers of heaven, the powers of this earth had all been put together for this one person. And they were praying and fasting for her to surrender. And the first person she called when she woke up was me. And we went and we did it. And I called that person, and she said, oh, my gosh. She's like, well, I said, well, what are we going to do? And she said, I guess we're going to drive her to Utah. That's where this rehab is. She's like, and this girl's not in recovery. She said, well, I, I think I'm just going to drive her. I said, no, you're not. I'm coming with you. Like, you're not going <laughs> to. This girl's been blacked out for five days. You're not driving her by yourself. And um, so I drove down there. There she was in, a, in her bed with bottles everywhere, pills everywhere. And when I walked in, I see the Legos on the ground, just like my son plays with Legos. And I see this dog that she just got a week ago who's pissed all over the floor. I'm sorry for my language. And it was just, you just see it. This home was just broken. And I went upstairs, and she's delusional and um, possessed. Like, I really felt like she was possessed. The first time I've looked at addiction as a spiritual mind that I, it's crazy. I've been doing this for five and a half years. I've been sober for five and a half years, and it was the first time I looked at this thing the way it's supposed to be looked at. And I saw someone that was possessed. And we got her in the car, and we drove her to Utah. And uh, it was the most intense 12-hour drive of my life. My neck and shoulders hurt still from being tense. She tried to jump out of the car while I was on the freeway several times. She tried to grab the steering wheel. She tried to kiss me. She was doing crazy stuff. Luckily, I had someone there with me. And, uh, and then she'd be happy. You know, it was crazy. It was crazy. But you know what? And the whole time, we're thinking, me and this girl, Becky, that were driving her up there, we're going, are we going to get there? And she's just going to say, never mind. Like, are we going to waste this whole day for nothing? That thought kept coming in. But as soon as we got there, we had all these friends and family praying. As soon as we got there, she freaked out. Freaked out. It's 1130 at night now. So we 730 to 1130. We get there this mansion house in the middle of Utah, Riverton, and we pull up. We've never met these people, and we take her. She's dry heaving. She's been throwing up the whole drive, you know, on and off, and she's screaming, saying she's going to run, and we just get her in the house, and as soon as me and Becky walk in the house with her, we felt the spirit, and I've been to a lot of rehabs. I've seen a lot of rehabs. You don't always feel that when you walk in there. I'm telling you right now, and Marvin works in recovery. He'll tell you that, and I'm telling you, this place was set up from God, Power's way that we can't see was set for her, and she calmed down, and she wanted to fight it. I could see it, and I could see these things in her, trying to tell her to fight it, to fight it, to run, to fight it, to run. But I felt that there were people all around the world praying for her at that moment, people that we could see, people we couldn't see. And she finally laid down on the couch and said, thank you, and she went to sleep, and we left. As soon as we left, we drove home. And here I am thinking this experience is for her. Well, the next 24 hours, I realized that the step, step 11, the person I was with on the drive home, we had the most gospel-centered conversation I've had in years. And um, I felt the Lord inspire me and give me revelation I've been seeking for a long time and um, of things I still need to shed. You know, I've been sober for five and a half years, and I've done some great things in sobriety, but there's still more. I told you that if you want to do this thing the way it's supposed to be done, put your boots on because it's going gonna, it's gonna to keep going, and there's more, and there's more, but there's also more peace. 
and there is a lot of work and there's a lot of trying times and I'm grateful for those who took chips tonight from the first newcomer chips and starting over that takes extreme extreme humility to those who took 30 days and a year congratulations Hilton all of this stuff matters and I'm grateful that I was saved and I'm grateful you were all brought here to this room because now you teach me and then when we started this, I had to teach people, and then now you teach me, and you help me. And I'm grateful to be a part of this whole thing, and I love every one of you, and I know that Heavenly Father, and there are things and people and angels that we don't see, but they're fighting for us. We just have to surrender to them and not to the adversary. That's where the hope comes in. And I say that in the name of Jesus Christ, amen. shot huh how many times do you have to remind me of things all well i just all the time figure you don't re i'm recording right now but oh, i know i know um i just figured you don't read but maybe you read i definitely i definitely don't read no okay that's i you're right when i apply myself i retain but so some of the, <laughs> so the things I, I can't tell if you're being lazy or lazy it's the drugs <laughs> it's the teacher and you you know i'm being lazy <laughs> i'm being lazy because i memorize scriptures and stuff and all that other stuff but in stories but the uh, little specific stuff sometimes Foggy. Okay. Well, hey. Hey, Welcome. Sorry, this has been two weeks. We are not on a good pattern of recording. We do have a good excuse. We're just keeping you craving. We have a good really. excuse. Again, it's Jay's fault. What? Because, oh, it's well, you were fault. sick. No, we no. were both our faults last time. Yeah, but yeah. this time, literally, Jay's house Literally in fell in. Literally fell in. Um, Had a pinhole leak. Post, I, you're not on social media. Can I post a picture of your bathroom? It might be a part of a lawsuit, so no. Okay. So I would wait, post wait, a, wait, till wait till it's clear. The settlements happen. But <laughs> he sent me this picture, and it, like, his roof just caved in in his house. The ceiling could have killed my kid. Would have killed for sure my baby. Yeah, so... Uh, he's Who's been in dealing that with that. We're going to talk about it a little bit later. Yep. Oh, we do have Brian here. Brian, how Brian, are you? Brian, what up? Doing good. How are you guys? Brian was last on our episode. You remember, I don't. I think it was episode 1.2. It was step 10, accountability. It would have been 1.10 then. So the way I name them is the 1.10 would be the first time we did step 10. 2.10 would be the second time we do step 10. 3.10 would be the third time we do step 10. Academic. I I don't know why, like, genius, we don't follow some real, like, podcast method. That's just how I keep track of them, so I know which share to drop in it. And then it also, it's kind of neat to, like, oh, this is the fifth time we've done step 10 or whatever. That is true. So I think we're on four. Actually, I don't even know right now. So this is our fourth round. And if it doesn't sound very good. Uh, we're recording this on an iPhone. Yes. Modern technology. So the, We should have been doing it on my iPhone 10. The speakers are better. Uh, it's okay. It's okay. The 10X. mic. Okay. Your phone's uh -huh. better than mine. Well, no, I'm just saying, is it better or is it not? Maybe I have I know. no idea. You said mic it's good, check, though. Mike, check, Mike, Mike, check. check. I think Listen, I'm sure we're good. We, All the levels The spirit is, will penetrate. No I, I've listened to some popular podcasts, and their audio is horrible. That's and true. And then I talked to the one guy, and he's like, look, people people care but they all don't have to sound professional it's just the content is you've worked really hard to get them to sound the way they do now they so, sound a lot better now is, yeah so brian you were last time you were on it um i love your story and you've been uh 
you've, you've shared a lot in our local area, but what I am fascinated about is um, you first came to the meeting because a member of the church, actually in, in our ward, Jay, heard us speak or whatever and told you about our 12-step meetings and said, hey, you should come. You were not active in the church. You hadn't been to church for in how many years? Uh, 24 years. 24 years. And you came to an ARP meeting, and your primary goal at that point was to get sober. Yeah. And definitely not come to church. No, no intention. And I don't think I was at that first meeting. No, because it was a Wednesday night. Okay, it was We Wednesday. just had Tuesday, and he called me. Okay. And I, but I remember Jay texting me like, hey, there's this rad dude who just came to a meeting, and he might come to our church on Sunday. And then you came there on Sunday, and that's when I first met you, and I was like, hey, what's up? Yeah, and you were scrolling through your phone. You're like, I think you're in the Laguna Niguel Ward. Okay. Brad loves the LDS tools. Yeah. But, uh... There's this web, there's this app, Jay. Is it? That, like, it cool tells app? you that who's in what. What's ward? my membership number? <laughs> I have my temple recommend, and it does not work. I've tried to enter it in, and I, I just went to the temple, so I know it's active. But I'm you know that that your member record will work on this later. Okay, we can get you in, please. Plus, I I really liked uh, Bishop Austin. He was, he's a cool, dude. He yeah, was, you met him the, like around the first. He like had this embracing. Yeah. sense about him so i totally was attracted to that you yeah. know? just from the first sunday just from the first sunday because okay. he came up to me and was okay. you know asked me how's it going told me that if i wanted to keep coming back to that ward i could but your current bishop's pretty rad too like just both. just as uh yeah. just i remember yeah. like a few sundays in all of a sudden you're like all right i think i'm, I'm like are you coming you're like i think i'm gonna put on my big boy pants <laughs> i'm gonna go to my own ward which is <laughs> literally right across the hall so we're in a unique church 30 building. minutes difference 30 minutes difference same building so we're in a unique church where they're double uh, chapel double chapel yep exactly so anyways he literally just walked 20 feet <laughs> and he went to his big boy ward with his big boy pants both those bishops are man's men yeah. like they your bishop's a stud too. yeah, yeah like yeah. Yeah. they are like true athletes like they're we're lucky to have them, like, them especially and, in your situation can you imagine if you came back and it would yeah be i've Bishop always different? i've always thought about that like what it would have been like if i would have had someone else yeah. you know and i'm sure it would probably would have been okay yeah. but it's I pretty think, rad that you i have think it, i just yeah. had those special people they're you right know, for you to, like welcome me back into the totally into the church because the fold so fast forward real quick and then we'll fill in the gaps what's going to happen next thursday so next wednesday no wednesday on uh June 20th, I will be taking out my endowments, going to the temple for the first time. So, is uh, my math, I know I'm math, but I'm end of the year. How many I'm months ago? How many months ago was that first ARP meeting? So, it was, it was a year and year and four months ago. So, a year and four months ago, you hadn't stepped inside a church in uh, over a decade. Months. Over a decade, more yeah. than that. No intention of going to church to you're going to the temple next week. Um, and as a member of the church, lifelong member, as a parent, as seeing, you know, just my life experience, I, that's a super inspirational for, on so many reasons. Um, so I love hearing that, that timeline and that, that, uh, prodigal son story or whatever, real life. So it's, love that parable. it's super neat. <laughs> so it's awesome. Um, now, you came to an ARP meeting, got sober, and pe- everything was peachy king the entire time? Yeah, I mean, I came to ARP and felt the spirit, and, and, and for me, it just really it really clicked because I had had so much experience with the 12 steps and going to AA, and 
stumbling around there, going in and out many, many times. Um, going in and out means? Just trying to get sober. Okay, uh, relapsing, going yeah, in and out. Having, having a judge tell me, you need to go to Alcoholics Anonymous. Okay. And that, that this is a requirement now, not just we think you should go. It's like this is part of your probation. You're not okay. going to get – yeah, you're not legally going to get your rights back. Until yeah, they you're... call it the nudge from the judge, right? Okay. <laughs> so, um, yeah, and, and you know, I, I really liked AA. I liked, I liked the steps. I, I totally believed that that program was spiritually devised, and it, and it is a spiritual program, but I, I always struggled with – the fact that a lot of in a lot of meetings I went to, and maybe it was just the meetings that I attended, but it was it was hard to mention the word God, and and uh, it offended a lot of people. If you just said God, they were yeah. And uh, I I had a sponsor once. I think we got to like the second or third step, and he, and he would always tell me, you know, AA is like a big tent, you know, and there's room for a lot of people in this tent. And if you sometimes if you mention the word God, you're gonna push people. Out of the tent. They're going to start leaving the tent. And so just just be mindful of what you say. And um, I was like, okay, you know. And so worked the steps, saw a lot of sobriety, saw a lot of – saw it help a ton of, ton of different people from all different backgrounds. Um, but as soon as I got to ARP and, and having the spirit involved, it was just like magic. So what went through your head like you weren't – You'd mentioned a few times to us personally, like you weren't planning on coming back to church. When did it, what was the pull of not wanting to go back to church? And what was the pull wanting to go back in the church? The pull not wanting to, well, I just had this negative concept of the church when I, when I stopped attending when I was a teenager, right? It was, it was restrictive, but if it was restrictive because I wanted to break all the laws, you know, I wanted to do whatever I wanted to do. And I didn't, I didn't want to hold on to the iron rod. I didn't want to walk on that straight and narrow path. I wanted to. So that, that feeling came back of like, you didn't want to feel that restriction. Yeah. I just, I just had negative connotations in my mind that I associated with the church. You know, I, I had no idea growing up in the church, what the atonement was. I had no idea what Jesus Christ did for us, you know. I, so, so I have a tangent question. I promised this friend I'd ask both of you guys. So friend of mine, good friend of mine, son, knows, uh, physically witnessed a couple of boys in his quorum vaping. Um, and he went to his parent and said, hey, hey I just saw so-and-so. I think they're going down a wrong path. Mm-hmm. I don't. What do I do? Do I talk to them? Do I tell the bishop? Do I tell their parents? Do I not say anything? Um, and and I and so they came to me, and I was like, "Good question." Like I went through all the scenarios, and and I personally had scenario where I went to like a buddy. I'm like, "Hey, FYI, just buddy to buddy, dad to dad. This went down, and it didn't didn't come across that well. Like it, it was like." Judgment. It was a little like... Well, it my, came off the wrong way. It came off the wrong way. Like you were trying to parent their kids. Yeah, and I wasn't. I was just like, hey, just I'd want to know. Yeah. So I just want to let you know. You don't need to let anyone know. Just you deal with it however you want. But you cannot say anything. But um, So I'm cognizant of that. But I but I don't know what to tell this young man of like, hey, do you? how do you approach it with those kids so they don't think you're being a judgmental like Peter Priested or... Or or tell their parents, and their parents are all worried that you're judging their family because 
their kids doing this. From your experience, what would you recommend in that scenario? So that he's concerned, like, hey, they're going down this path. Oh, they were doing it at a church activity. Ooh. So ironically, so it wasn't just like at the at a party or whatever. They were literally at a church activity, and they went, broke off, went away, and they're like, that's weird. Why are so-and-so? And then they went to go like, hey, let's go see these guys. And they're like, oh. Kind of like me and Xander getting high at the church dances. Maybe, yeah. <laughs> Stick dances in the singles ward, by the way, not yeah. children. Like, so, <laughs> so what would you... My, my seminary teacher came out one time when I was a junior, and we... We had ditched seminary. We were out smoking cigarettes in the parking lot. Saw and he saw you. Well, they could smell the cigarette okay. smoke from the church, and they came out and caught us. But when I look back and think about that, I think I just think it kind of we were being really dumb about it, and we were kind of being blatant, almost like we wanted to to get caught. But um, so that's part of what I think was like if you're there, you're either so addicted that you just don't give a crap, or you kind of want to get caught so that you can get pulled out of this. I don't know. Yeah, it's. It's, I think it's a very complex issue because from a parent's perspective, you want to try and protect your, your child, but at the same time, you have to kind of do what the Lord does with us and let you kind of figure out your way, right? But how, how, how much of a leash do you, do you allow mm-hmm. and what kind of boundary do you set? If, if that kid is someone that's really sensitive, like what I tend to think, most addicts are even in, in teenage years is really super sensitive if you if you approach it in even the slightest uh way that's gonna you're you're gonna push them and you're gonna push them away at least that's how it was for me when okay. i when i had authoritarians in the church whether it was a bishop or young men's leaders whenever they would confront it and and tell me i'm not supposed to be doing this i I rebelled, and Mike was like, dude, you're not going to tell me what to do, you know? So, Jay, fast forward to your son. I know you don't like this, but you can think think about it now. I know. But, I thought about it a hundred times. <clears throat> I don't know. I mean, I didn't grow up in the church, so it was different. But even when I was in the church, it was. I mean, I think what he said was right is, is that— So you just don't address it? No, no. I think what I'm saying, what I think he's right, is that uh, all addicts are— And I'm not saying these kids are addicts. No, no, no. I know. But most people that are already—that are choosing to rebel against the church, right? You call it an addict, call it not. Um, okay. Someone who's rebellious in their teen years and— um, we're all really sensitive. Lexi was that way. I'm that way. Brian's that way. Xander's that way. We're all extremely. Uh, I for sure um, took offense to anyone, even once I was an adult in the church, you know, in the singles ward that was doing, you know, too harsh on me, you know. I just, and then all of a sudden I get a sponsor who was like, hey, if you want to go do that, that's fine. Like, I'm here for you if you want to, like, get sober, though. So look the difference, you know. But then again, there is a line. Like, you can't, it's that leash, like he said, is if Lexi, like I've said a hundred times, she didn't put her foot down. I didn't have consequences. I probably would have never gotten sober. I probably would have died in my sleep, you know, like most addicts do. And uh, so there's a, but then again, if it's a teenager vaping, it's like, well, they're not all the way. But at the same time, I think what you got to do, my advice, what I would hope I would do in that situation is, is what I'm already doing with Rusty now at six, seven years old, my son, and, and sitting him down. And um, Okay, so we just moved in this new home, mm-hmm. two-story now. My son's never lived in a two-story. I mean, when he was a baby, but now he's in a two-story. But when you go around, there's two stairs, right? It goes one way and then it goes down. So it's like a four, right? Well, you go down four steps and then down ten steps. 
they, jumping them. Uh, you know, not only is he jumping them, but he, there's you can crawl onto that weird. It's kind of a weird architect where you can oh. overlay, and, yeah. and rather than just a staircase that you could fall off, you can climb up on part of the ceiling, and then or like part of that area, and you can you could fall in the end. And there's like layers where people we put like decorations there like Lexi's decorated the house to have stuff up there and we've already seen his footsteps up there <laughs> so we know he's up there right and we know he's up there doing who knows what right <laughs> and that, and then like obviously I, like I have a lot of faith in Rusty's ability to not kill himself because he's You're extremely like, hey, who's walking up here and he's like not me not me yeah no it's like I know he probably won't fall he's not clumsy he's just not that way like and he, he's like a cat like however a cat. The two-year-old who watches him oh, is yeah. not, you know. So June has already tried to crawl up there, oh, and yeah. actually Lexi the other day saw her getting up there. And so I came home last night. This is the second time Lexi's already tried to talk. We've only been there for a week and a half. It's been crazy, right? And so Lexi's still getting used to having a two-year-old on two stories that mm-hmm. can just crawl right onto something and fall off and crack her head open. And so she was pissed. I come home. She's like, you need to go. It's kind of like the scenario, but obviously different. But she's like, you need to go talk to Rusty because if he freaking climbs up there again, June's going to do it and she's going to freaking die. And I'm like, Lexi never really worries like that. So obviously this is something she's thought about. And she's like, I've tried to tell him and blah, blah. So what did I do? I went in there and I talked to him. And at first I wanted to be like, because I already told him. You know, I wanted to be like, dude, I've told you. And he's a very obedient kid. So when you yell like that, it hurts his feelings, you know? So... I, he was in the bath, and I, I go in there, and I start talking to him. And he's more aware than most six-year-olds, right, verbally. They're communicative kids. So I just I, – I, I played out the scenario with him. Hey, buddy, I know you were up there on the thing, and I know it's fun, right? And he's like – and he just got, he got serious. He knew he was going to get in trouble. I'm like, no, you're not going to get in trouble. I'm like, it's, of course it's fun. Like, you're way up there. You can look down. I'm like, dude, you're – and I, I basically said, you're strong, and you're – you know, you're – you could definitely get hurt, and I'm worried about that. And um, odds of you getting hurt are probably slim, but I still, that would suck to see you get hurt. You could never surf again. I started relating it to all the things that he could miss out on. But then I, and so he was serious. He just looked at me. The next thing I said made him cry. And I didn't yell at him like I normally do or anything like that. I said, can you imagine if your little two-year-old sister who's a baby and still doesn't, can't really speak and say something, what if she fell off? I said, do you think she would live if she hit her head on the, on the tile that's you know, 20 feet down? And he just stared at me. I was like, what if she died? I'm like, can you imagine burying her? I said, this is extreme and it may not happen. But what if it did happen? I was like, and what, I'm like, can you imagine going to that funeral? And like, and then it would just be a bummer. I mean, it would ruin, I mean, we wouldn't see her again until we get to heaven. And, and dude, he started crying. And I said, well, buddy, it's okay as long as we don't do it anymore. I said, because she wants to be like you. And you're, you're the leader of this house when I'm not here. They all want to be like you. And I said, you have two little sisters. And I'm watching this kid get it, like clicking with him and seeing the consequences of an action that he didn't intend. And, uh, and he looked at me and he's like, and, but it wasn't a crying like, like, a, like uh, you know, you hate me thing. It was like, I will never do it again. And I made him shake my hand, which of course he doesn't know how to do as a limp noodle. <laughs> but like, you know what I mean? I'm like, no, shake my hand. This is how you do it. You know, you look me in the eyes and you promise me you'll never do it again. And he grabbed my hand and dude, that kid's so obedient, but... It was a proud moment of myself because normally I'm, I don't always act that way, but you can see a lot of lessons in there, and that can, I think, relate to this scenario, sitting down with your son or your kids and saying, hey, listen, I know vaping probably is not going to kill you tonight. It's probably not going to kill you tomorrow. It's probably not going to kill any of you, you know, or who knows what it does. All they know is that, here, let me tell you about some stories of other people that where it can go. And you may think you'll never go there, and you, hopefully you know, but let me talk to you about some people that have or, you know, where that yeah. could lead to, so... Yeah, I think Jay's absolutely right. 
you, some corrective action needs to occur because if you just turn the blind eye, then oh, yeah. you're also sending a message yeah. that that it's okay. But I think you got to tread lightly in the message that you're going to send to the kid, you know? Totally. So would you recommend this uh, kid talk to the kid, talk to the parents, a parent talk to a parent? Because uh, right now, I don't think the parents are aware. Oh, the parents don't know. This is another no. parent. No, yeah, yeah. You no. should for sure be aware. I mean, like, and so they can have back. this conversation. Yes, exactly. So and just say, hey, listen. as a parent, I'd, I'd want to know. You'd want to know. But I would say as the, as the parent who found out and wants to tell the other parent of the kid actually doing it, I would say, listen, when you go tell them, uh, say, listen, you may not know how to handle this. I mean, I you know you know how to handle this, but you may have never, ever been that person that's been rebellious. However, we know of people that are, have been this way. If you want them to talk to someone, and they may take that as, I know how to parent my kid. It doesn't matter. The point is you did your part and told them. And I think you could even, I, I think we can't underestimate the, the influence we can have on kids. You know, I'm, I'm I wouldn't. Because my, my, I've talked to my son about it. I'm like, hey, what yeah. would you do in this situation? But it, it provided an opportunity to have a discussion. Yeah. And why? So I'm thankful. Well, so has for that it. adult gone to that kid and said, "Hey, I, I saw you out there." I just no, want to talk no, it was another it. kid. Oh, so who saw the kid? Oh, yeah. So it was my friend's oh, yeah, kid. Yeah, okay. Yeah, no, I, I think um, it's like multiple layered here. It is multiple layered. That's Sorry. like life. So, multiple layered. But I mean, I think I think you know, it's a good opportunity to teach the kid. Yeah, for sure. At a minimum, it's good for me to have a conversation with my own child. Yeah, and maybe if you're listening to this. Maybe it's an opportunity to have a discussion with you. If yours. you don't teach your kids, remember this. The world will teach them. Yes. And we all know who's in charge of the world. Definitely. Right? Um, okay, so you're going to the temple. Uh, so you went to ARP. You went to church. Um, any relapses during that time? Yeah, two. Okay. Had two of them. Um, Did, probably didn't think that that was going to yeah. happen, huh? Right? You no, come actually, in, you're like, uh, when I came back and I started rolling. going to ARP, I mean, I, I was so ready to... I was just so ready. I, I worked the steps like quickly and thoroughly and had, uh, I want to say, a spiritual experience on almost every one. Um, I felt like my testimony grew. I felt like my knowledge of, of the church grew immensely. I thought my understanding of the Savior grew immensely. And um, I, I got to about nine months sober and I was just feeling like, I was like, I'm cured. I'm healed. You know, this is this this is great. This is awesome. Uh, gave a talk in my to my ward. You went, spoke in state conference. Spoke in uh, priesthood state conference. Priesthood state conference. Um, Had a calling. Went to other wards. Yeah. Talked mm-hmm. to them about ARP. I was I was Sunday teaching. school teacher. Yeah. I was teaching 15 and 16 year olds, telling them about my experiences and trying to educate them. Um, but I start. I think. You know, when I look back at it, I stopped doing uh, steps 10, 11, and 12. And when you stop doing those, then the pride comes back. And, you know, I've, I've, I've been doing coping with, with drugs and pornography and alcohol, weed, pills, you know, whatever I can get my hands on. I've been doing that for a long time, and, and I, I kind of forgot about that. So my... My brain chemistry is kind of wired that whenever something happens, stressful, good, I'm kind of geared to, I want to go act out or, totally. or take that stuff. And, uh, and so it was, it was crucial for me to do 10, 11, and 12. And when I stopped doing that, and then, of course, I stopped. Uh, those are called the maintenance steps, those that are new to recovery in the 12 steps. The 10, 11, 12 are called the maintenance steps by AA because you do them, you keep doing them. Yeah, you do them 
10 you do daily, 11 you do daily, and 12 you do the best you can. Hopefully it's daily. Hopefully it's daily, <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I think when I got to... Also, my bishop had had recommended that I read the Book of Mormon every day, and I was doing that for about six or seven months, and then I started to tail off that. And then what happens when you start tailing off that? Then you stop praying, and then you know things start getting sideways. And so I think it was only a matter of time. You know, I can't even remember what triggered it. Oh, it was cough syrup. I went to the, to the doctor for a sinus infection, and they, they prescribed me... Uh, cough syrup and as soon as with I codeine in it, type with codeine which is our, our uh, schedule 3 narcotic and once I took why, that why is codeine in that I always wondered why it's, it's addictive so, but like to try to make you sleep like what's the purpose of it oh in yeah it's painkiller yeah for your throat codeine okay. uh, stops the cough reflex it, okay Okay, so that inhibits the, it. That's the medicinal purpose of the code. That's okay. the medicinal purpose okay. yeah but it's and, like uh, the lowest form of opiate so it's still like okay. an opiate yeah and, uh, once once I took that, you know, it, it started that craving it. in my brain. As soon as you yeah. have it, yeah, it's crazy. And then uh, when you, uh, and we've talked about, Jay, on the podcast about when you go to the doctor pre- prescription to check in with your sponsor. <laughs> so you'd recommend that? Like, hey. Highly recommend that. Because you didn't do that, right? Hi. Security. Yep. Oh, hi, gang. Oh, wow. Amazing. Yep. Sorry, Sorry secu- our, security our, trying our, to lock our us down. Building security try to lock us down. Man. The studio has okay, got so, tight security. Well, so 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 I said, had so I had when I was in my car accident, I actually called Jay from the from the doctor's office because the the nurse practitioner. That's right. I, I let her know I was like, hey, I'm an addict in recovery. You know, I can't have any narcotic, and she was like, well, I'm not going to give you any any anyways. Protocol is just ibuprofen and muscle relaxers. She's like, do you do you want to call anyone? And I had called Jay, and Jay was like. You don't need muscle relaxers because you, you have a bad day and you'll take 10 of those, you know. And I was like thinking, I thought that I kind of maybe deserved a little bit of muscle relaxer, you know. Like I was kind of <laughs> you were You were kind of like expecting me to be like, ah, oh, bro, it's all good. Like you got an accident. And so I told the, the nurse practitioner, I was like, no, I can't, I, I'll just take the ibuprofen, you know. And and, uh, and that's all I ended up taking. And um, But you know, consequently down the road when I when I went in for a sinus infection, I didn't, I wasn't honest. And do you think that that I never heard about that? So do you think that you uh, about the? Do you think you held on to that? Because I like I'm that type of guy. Like if, if I didn't get what I want the first time, then when it, if the opportunity comes again, I'm like, all right, like I, I'm good now. Like you know, like you said, it could lead into like you're you're cured, right? Yeah, I was. Cu- yeah. No, that, what I'm saying is that like this, too, yeah. and I and I I started to when I was in the doctor's office because I had had sinus infections infections before. Yeah, totally. And they would always give me an antibiotic, and mm-hmm. you know this time, it was a, it was a combination of not doing the daily things that I needed to do, and then having the advantage of I could I was could read the doctor that I was working with, and I could tell by what they were saying and how they were acting that if I asked for something, he, they were probably going to give it to me. And I asked for the cough medicine and said I was coughing at night with the full intention knowing that... you get coding in it? I had coding in it, yeah. And, and the normie in me, previous to ARP experiences, we have a tough time understanding the really strong testimony with the thought of, I want to partake of a substance. Mm-hmm. Like, immediately around, you're yeah. like, wait... You must have lost your testimony then if you want to go go that down this other route. And that's not necessarily true. It's just we've just been a part of the world yeah. for so long that, like, those, like you said, the coping, it's even, 
it's <clears throat> it can go in deeper and it can also be a lot shallower. Like sometimes we just you know the brain. We all know the human brain is th- th- trying to maximize pleasure and minimize pain. So the addict brain, when any type of pain, physical, emotional, mental, spiritual, comes in, we just want to go right to like I know where to cure that. I know exactly where to cure that for whatever it is. So a physical thing with this or that and that. And, and then especially when you're at him, it's so easy to do that because you're like, dude, you, all the all the things are checked off. I oh, got a calling. I'm back yeah. in church. And yeah. those are all true. Like none of that thing, none yeah, of those, those were true. Like you were, yeah. you, you, but. You and know, if you'd asked yeah. any normie as your bishop, like, yeah. as your bishop, like, hey, could I take cough syrup? He's like, yeah, why not? She got a bad cough. Like, you know what I mean? <laughs> but that's where we have the protocols here, you know, like, because we've all been there. And I've talked about this on the cast, too, that there's, I've had three sinus infections where I've gotten, um, where I've gone to um, uh, uh, the urgent care. Back in the day, that would have caused me to go right back out. In fact, it did every time in my marriage when, you know, it would always be a sinus infection, these headaches, and then I'd go and then another four months and then I'd get off four months uh you know that's how it was a cycle but um eventually implementing the the sponsorship and calling someone before and we've had other people talk about that is you you, know, you bring that layer of accountability before you go you're a lot easier to you know not have it happen and, and I think it sounds like go. it's very critical to have that it's sponsor it's, who's yeah. in recovery especially your sponsor because they know you've already done inventory with them and so they can yeah. have that discernment of and we all need it like and, the sponsor and, and, needed it and, too when and I sometimes you it. need a surgery where you do need to have pain Mine medication was recent, yeah right? remember I tried and, to go to 48 hours without it and then yeah. all of a sudden I called my sponsor going on my con- about, tongue was yeah. cut right but I tried to go without it because I was like I'm I'm not touching this you know so t- uh, I remember that meeting when you came back in Brian and took a newcomer chip again I think you led, oh, I you was, actually led the meeting I was totally you, deflated you you yeah because we were out of town and you happened to be the one that you had already I think you already said to lead the meeting no I had asked him ahead of time I think you were out of town because you sat oh, there yeah. and you did the chips and you said and I'm taking a newcomer chip and I'll explain later. <sighs> How hard is that? that? <laughs> Not only did you have to take a newcomer chip, but you had to do it in the front. That's amazing to think back out of that. Yeah, and Brad had brought his microscope, and uh, I was thinking That's back right. about my for, share for with visual the microscope thing. about step 10 being coarse and fine adjustment, and I thought, oh, that was cool. He's supporting me, or maybe he just brought it in or, or whatever. But Because, well, yeah, a few weeks before, you had shared about coarse and fine adjustment, and I was like, oh, I'm going to bring my microscope in and give a visual of that. It was such a beautiful share. So yeah, and I mean, that was uh, that day that you came clean of a relapse. Yeah, and I was, I was, uh, I remember feeling like the Lord was disappointed in me, and that's totally not what, what it was. That was just how my brain perceived it, and I felt like I had this, I felt like I had this image that I had that I had let people down, you know, and I was so embarrassed to like, I didn't even want to tell anybody, you know. You were let down when me and Zan- so me and Xander, who's been on the cast. Went to lunch with him. We knew, but we didn't know yet. Because, like, you know, it takes a while for some most of us to tell anything anyway. You mean, when you mean you knew, you kind of got a vibe? Yeah, or? I mean, it says in the, the Book of Mormon, there's pl- plenty of stories of countenances, right? Like, okay. of, of, of when we sin. You saw Brian's countenance change. Yeah. I mean, you only can see it because you've experienced it. I've watched my countenance change. I've seen other people see it in me. And so we can all see it in each other. And I remember I was like, Xander, I'm like, we got to go to lunch with Brian. You still all knew. Like, we didn't, we've only known you at that point for a few months, six months, maybe, right? Yeah. Four months. And so 
but we instantly fell in love with Brian. We're like, dude, we this we don't want you to disappear because we've seen that in the last six years. I've seen so many guys come in for six months and disappear, you know, and one relapse gone, never seen them again. They so disappoint themselves. They're so they're so ashamed and this that and the other, and they just bounce and they never come back. But we sat down. The biggest thing when I walked away from that lunch with you, where you told us that you'd relapse, and um, was just yeah, you had you were in the shame. I was like, and I just, I remember thinking, like, I wish I could just pull him out, but there's no way, there's nothing I'll be able to say, there's nothing Xander will be able to say, and we just kept talking, but I remember thinking, I'm like, none of these things are going to happen. Like, you know, none of our sales pitch to not shame yourself (laughs) means Xander are both pretty good, but it's only enough to get you through that lunch. Like, you know, the reality is, like, after that, you're going to have to wrestle. Every addict has to wrestle with that. You know, you said you felt the Lord was disappointed. You were disappointed. You were disappointed with the image that you were creating. And, uh, it, of course, and, you, you, you know, you've, you've failed or whatever in a sense in your mind. But reality is, it's like you said, you, it's the image. Every time I've messed up, I'm not really upset about the mess up because we know it's internal. That's like a principle. That's why we're here. Like deep down inside, we, our spirit knows we're supposed to be here to mess up. So that's why we can get through it, I think, eventually. But if, what gets in the middle is that ego. And you're like, oh, man, I got this, I got this image I got to keep up with. People know. Are they going to not invite me to the church yeah, anymore? Totally. Like, am I not going to be able to teach? Totally. The, right? the image was just crushing. And then I remember Xander saying, uh, you know, as and I had heard this before in AA, and it's it's like, dude, when you're an addict or an alcoholic, or it's amazing. It's like a miracle that you're not partaking of in your addiction, you know? like Because that's what alcoholics and drug addicts do. They, they take drugs and they drink alcohol. So when you're, when you're composed of that stature and you're abstaining, you're actually going against the grain. And it's, that's not normal, mm-hmm. you know? And uh, that kind of made me feel better, you know? Yeah. I was like, yeah, I am. Yeah. I was able to tap my ego on the back, you know, and, and pull out of it. But I, I, you know, that relapse... But it was still there, right, for a little bit? It I mean, was still there. Like and, and, you know, I never, I never kind of really got like over it over it because shortly thereafter I started eating you know because I didn't want to take drugs I didn't want to take pills and I didn't want to smoke weed and so food was left there right Mm -hmm. and uh I started I started gaining weight I started getting fat I started you know eating fast food like you know unhealthily and I was using food as as a coping mechanism and I did that for like three or four months I think and um I think I got 60 days then 90 days and then you know after food then i started feeling really bad about myself for for coping with food and then pornography jumped into the picture you know and and pornography had always been around for me growing up as a teenager um but it was it it was like it's sad to say it, it was it was a normal it was a normal thing like all my friends looked at pornography for sure and it it wasn't that bad of a of a of a stigma to us growing up. And so, um, you know, I had the food and then, then I had this pornography that, that kind of reared its ugly head. And, um, you know, once pornography came on the table, it was only a matter of time before I was going to be drinking. And, uh, cause there's nothing worse. I think, I think the, the, the biggest sin that will drive the Holy ghost away the quickest is por- is pornography. And, um, it's such a like a vile offense to the to the Lord and the I think the Holy Ghost that just the whole plan in general, right? It just like, the whole plan is being mocked. 
yeah, the whole plan, um, the whole plan of bringing souls, you know, into the, to the family proclamation and, and how sacred that is. And mm. pornography just obliterates that and perverts it. And, you know, I, I understand, you know, that's why it's, it's, it's the new, uh, it's the new drug, new drug I yeah. think. And Satan's done a lot. He's had a lot of time to, to perfect that and, it's weird how it makes and, your self-image, the individual looking at, like I've talked about this too, like growing up even out of the church, it was normal too, but I developed a negative self-image of myself for looking at it, yet there was no... But you had no church influence. No influence, but dude, I obviously, it's because I, we do remember that, we do know why we're here, like deep down, you know. Yeah, we there, all have yeah. the light of Christ, yeah. you know. That, that's a powerful witness from uh, both of you guys, powerful. especially from Jay, because it's like, we're told, the world tells us, I feel that way because I've been indoctrinated and brainwashed yeah. in the church. That's what, and, that's what all and, the... And so when I hear Jay... Anti-religion people tell yeah, you. Yeah, anti-religious, or even more those in the church yeah. that like are, are Our kids antagonistic do yeah. in the church. They're like, you just feel that way because the church. Yeah, and been, so you, you strengthen my testimony. I'm like, well, no, I don't believe that, but I can see the logic of that. Totally. But then when your testimony of that, I'm like, okay, I don't... Never felt more empty in my life than when I was 18. I was sure drinking and doing other stuff, but I didn't feel empty because of that. I felt empty because all day long I was obsessed with pornography, sex, stuff that w- would be a, a fleeting. It, it got to the point where it was like any other drug. There was no pleasure involved. It was just this weird, this weird disease at that point. Like you just you're you're defiling, and, and you start to nag your you know. You, so you went from this high, you, you hit a low. It could have just been a short low, but you, like you said, you, you you'll linger. You let you left the door open at that point, right? Yeah, like you shut it pretty close. I but, shut the door on the chemicals. Yeah, but you left it per se. But I, you know, I, I think I shared in a meeting. Uh, you know, sh- after that, when I when I came clean for that, that I just became you know like a well-rounded addict. You know, uh, mm-hmm. whether it's food, pornography. It's like what it says in that step. It says like if you don't right. There's a part in here where it says, it, if you don't take care of it, it'll like the actual underlining things. It'll yeah. just go from one thing to the other. Yeah. And you, you did exactly what I did. You did, ex- you know, I mean, we all did it. And that's, like, yeah. and that's why in the meetings, in our meetings, the food addict, the porn addict, the drug addict, the alcoholic, you all really, everyone relates to each other. We all slept together. And yeah. it doesn't, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, and that's what's beautiful about the church meetings is different than AA, NA, SA. Like, yeah. they're all very segmented. And I told you this, too. This is kind of thing to bring up is because you may be in a meeting if you're listening to this. The San Clemente meeting originally, the, where I, me and Xander first went, was mainly alcoholics and drug addicts. In fact, no one identified as a sex addict. No one talked about pornography. So when I went there and got, I finally got sober, I still had porn addiction. But I looked at it as like, well, all these guys probably do too, you know. And like, and then some guys in AA usually say, hey, do that as long as you're not drinking, as long as you're still totally. providing family. They say that specifically, right? You've had totally. sponsors, and so, but then I've talked about how then. Neil walks in. Mm-hmm. Then, you know, great, you know, all these people start walking in. And then we start a meeting here, and then 90% at when the meeting first started, and still to this day, is a big portion of, is the Lord showing me, like, hey, by the way, I know you, I'm really proud of you for not being on drugs, Jay, but guess what? Like, I, you will never reach your potential if you don't get rid of this plague that's still in your life, and it's going to ruin everything just like those drugs would. So, I mean, you know, obviously, you, you, you know, you found that same truth to be yourself right i mean you came clean with that no one that's one of those things that no one's gonna know like you know what i mean unless you tell like maybe a wife could find it but no and but you're a single guy you're so a single like guy a so you you came clean on that 
Yeah, and you know, I think uh, I I felt I've never felt better after the second relapse. Like the first one was totally demoralizing, demoralizing right? Incomprehensibly demoralizing. But the second one was more like it's different. Hey, um, you don't have to be ashamed. Like you just encompassed more stuff that you need to be aware of. And uh, I was uh, Marvin and Xander gave me a blessing and that blessing totally changed my outlook on things, you know? And it, it wasn't like a, it's kind of, it was kind of like a restart, but there was, there was three things in the blessing that, that I'll never forget. And one was have faith, which is talked about in my patriarchal blessing. Um, the other one was cleave unto the Lord and how much the third one was how much the Lord loves me. And, the whole f- concept of love was what I felt when I first came to my first ARP meeting. Yes, I felt the spirit, but when I went home after, I felt encapsulated by love via the Holy Ghost from the Lord. And I totally felt safe. And that that's what really attracted me to, to ARP. And so, you know, maybe third time is the charm. Um, you know, something's crazy when you're saying this. You say this the second because we haven't had this conversation, but that that last re- I mean, obviously, I know that last relapse was totally different. You know, you're, you're a whole other person. Even the way you dealt with it, even within the first 48, 60, you know, how many hours and days, um, I would have never gave you the counsel of getting a blessing if I didn't just I just I just drove my friend up to rehab and drove back. That's right. You were like, go get a blessing too. Uh, call like, Marvin. Call I, like I, I've talked mm-hmm. to in the last two episodes about how it took five plus years for me to like really see the spiritual, like, like I've of course been reading it. Of course I've told it to people. Of course I've experienced it at times, but not to the level where I was ready to like, just, I just remembered it all. Like all of a sudden, like dude, this, this unplugging that happened back in 2008 on my mission where I, when I first took that painkiller and I was unplugged from this connection I got when I joined the church, finally just went and it's like it has nothing to do with anything but the priesthood, the, the gospel principle. You know what I mean? There was no logistics anymore. They're just, of course there's logistics, but they're tied into this. And then you, you know, that happened like within 24 hours. You're the first person I'm talking to in a situation where my old response would have been like, go to a meeting, you know, call, you know, you got on us, that's good. You know, go to a meeting, you know, something like very AA-ish in a sense. Nothing, there's anything wrong with that. But it is for us though. We're members of the church. We have covenants that we've made. And I remember thinking that for the first time in, in forever. And I was like, you, and this, this feeling came, it was like, the only way you're going to get cured from this is through the, you know, is, is going to kind of begin that is the priesthood. And like, I don't know. And since then, since then, obviously, look what happened. And there's been a couple other, couple other experiences like that pretty recently for other people that I would, I don't know, I just would have never... That would never came because the spirit was finally in my life. Because I finally repented of some but, stuff. But but you had the spirit before. I think yeah, it goes back course. to the beginning, Brian, when you said kind of to think about you, a lot. one of the reasons you relapsed was you thought you were cured. Yeah. And so the when you're cured, I don't have to stop keep doing the maintenance stuff. Yeah, and true. and I, one, one meeting becomes good enough. Yeah, you know? yeah. But, went from but three the gospel to one, the gospel one. is about eternal progression yeah. and getting better and better. And the, and ten, eleven, twelve is about. Eternally refining, better. getting better and better and pure and pure and not 
being satisfied where we are. And, and we all like to do one that. of the blessing, I mean, it was shared in our meeting tonight, like that, that weird saying of like, I'm thankful I'm an addict. And you first hear that, you're like, what? The spouse of an addict is like, you're insane. Even and the addict of the addict. Yeah, even the addict, even the normal, like it just doesn't compute. And it does now because it seems like a lot of work, but you're compelled to work at your spirituality so that, because I see, sit here, I'm like, you guys do work harder than I do on your spirituality because you need to, but you also benefit so much greater. It's like so much deeper and your experiences are much richer that, you know, again, I'm like, Little little, <laughs> little PW50. Yeah, yeah, right. And, then it, and you're like 450. And we all look at you and go, man, I wish I didn't even want to touch the line. Like, you know what I mean? Like, like, it's, like we, we, me and another addict after the meeting said, he, this guy comes up and he's been coming for a while. He says, I want to be like Brad. He's like, man, when I go, I want to be like Brad. I'm like, don't we all? And But then I was saying, I said, you know, he's a unique individual. I said, I've experienced a lot of stuff with him and talking. And one thing that you're, you're amazing at is you, you don't need to prove it for yourself. When the brethren tells you something, you don't have to go like that fence will electrocute you. Like me and Brian's brain go like, let's go touch it. Let's right go, yeah. yeah, maybe it how won't touch me if I touch it this. It? Yeah, how many? Yeah, what, what can I do to get around that and see how who can get elected, who won't? And maybe if I touch it with this on, maybe if I do, we're gonna like, dude, it's just natural. You go up and like put your fingers around it, like yeah, this, like this like, like, like we're, you know, like silly people, and and so, anyways, uh, it's definitely never the you know the, you never wanted to learn the hard way. That's for sure. I, I would do anything to go back and 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 wish you know wish a lot of different things. Wish I was born in a Mormon family. Wish all these stuff, but and I used to but, shame but, myself for that. But you know? you're not short-changed. That's what's not beautiful about yeah, the gospel yeah, yeah, yeah. is absolutely. is absolutely. You, you've experienced things differently and maybe more challenging, but more richly. Like we are. Just the experience. Our own, our everybody's life experience is very different. Totally. Um, the Lord finds a way to teach us through our own experiences. And, I mean, like you said, that that, that blessing set you, because you were holding the prayer. Because I was gone, remember, for a couple days, three days. And by the time I came back, I remember seeing you. And compared to that time versus the first time, was like, dude, you just look fine. You're like, remember we went to dinner? We went yeah. to dinner at Smashburger, my favorite spot to do to meet with my sponsors <laughs> and inventories. And we just sat there, and I remember thinking, I remember thinking, like, because I didn't tell you to do the steps all over again. And uh, sometimes that's needed, and sometimes it's not. And I just remember thinking, I just didn't feel like it was necessary. I don't know. You know what I mean? I just felt like, yeah. You know, you know working, the, working the 12 steps was something I needed to do. And I think I think there's just sometimes... It's going back to the maintenance steps, you know. I, I, un, I, I abstained from the the behaviors and the and the chemicals, and I was able to drain the swamp per se, and and really analyze like what my character weaknesses are, and and really assess that. And the twelve steps totally helped me me get through that. But what I've learned is that my key to progressing is is staying close to the Lord, and this is a spiritual program. And that's something that I just love about it is that for me, I don't have the, I don't have the luck that I can read my Book of Mormon once a week or totally. I have to be, I have to engage in, in, in a spiritual way of life and I have to do it on a daily basis. And if, if I do that, you know, I will be, I will be okay. Not and, only will you be okay, you'll thrive. That's one thing I've gotten, me and you and Alex. We, we, you know, individuals, just anyone. I think anyone thrives, obviously, when they put on the righteous armor every day. But, you know, there's 
you know, you've mentioned your Patreon, but my Patreon blessing says that too. Is like you, it's a must. Like I have, I have sentences that are repeated twice. One of them's, you know, it'll be, a, it'll be, it'll, you will. It first says it'll be, it'll, it'll bless you to say your prayers at night and thank Heavenly Father for all things. And then it says it again, you need to say. It says it again, but in a way that first was loving and like an instruction, and the next one's like, it will be a must for you to thank Heavenly Father for all the things because you're, you're blessed. You're blessed when you keep the commandments. And uh, there's a lot of little things like that. And I think, once again, this all comes down to self-awareness. And that's one thing about this gospel, this program, whatever it is. You're, we're obviously talking about the 12 steps here, but they're really the 12 principles of the atonement and how to access it. And uh, like Brad said, it's eternal realm. It never ends. Um, you don't need to do them all over again unless you didn't do them right the first time. Otherwise, if you did them right, like you did, me and you sat there. I mean, we, we, we like you said, we identified everything that you needed to identify. Um, we just needed to do the 10th step a little bit more thoroughly, right? We're, we're going to go back to being honest and daily inventory. We, we've we've had a lot everything. of people talk about they do the 12 what step for some substance, some behavior, and then they do it again for another, like... Yeah, and I, I, I my opinion is I disagree with that. I don't think it's necessary because, like he just said, I mean, Brian just kind of Unless your inventory wasn't thorough. Unless your inventory was thorough, because in the sixth step, it's talking about weaknesses, right? And weaknesses are usually all this other thing. Overeating, that's a weakness. It can be an addiction for sure. But if you're a pill pop, a drug addict, whatever, we're we're just an addict. Like you're just you're just an individual that have like Brian said, have coping issues and this, that, and the other. We're all that's a way. So I don't think doing this. I mean, if it could be necessary, but if you just apply the steps to that th- you know the tenth, eleventh, twelfth. If you you know, if you thoroughly done one through nine. If you, yeah, because you one relax. through nine really just em- emancipate you from the past. Yeah. That's all it does is puts the door on the past, but now leaves a nice little window that you can look back for history, right? Okay. And you're not emotional. But I think when people feel the need to go back, I see those people, and I could be wrong. Hopefully, I'm not offending people. But they tend to get stuck. They get stuck. They seem to like every year they got to do another one. I'm like, well, that's crazy because I've never felt that way. I do find every year I got to find a new weakness to work on. Okay. Sometimes every month. But I and but I don't go and start step. That's ten of twelve. That's 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 in the tenth step. It says daily inventory of your spiritual, physical, emotional, and mental needs. And then and then eleventh is daily. You know, getting the uh, direct revelation, which once again. If you're not, if you're breaking one of those first, you know, those four things that you need to be taking a daily inventory on, then you're not going to get revelation, and then you're for sure as heck not going to serve as much, or in the best way you could, you know. Um, like I've been, what I'm getting at is I've been serving people for a long time now in this thing, not a long time, but long for my life, you know, being a membership. It was half my membership. Half I, membership life, right? Yeah, for half my membership life in this program, almost just a little under, and. Uh, but I'm just now tapping into, I look back, and I'm like, I have helped a lot of people, for sure, in the beginning and over the last five years. But in the last two months, I've, I felt, I've really felt I wasn't talking my own words, in a sense, almost every time. Whether no blessings involved at all, just talking. And uh, I feel like, uh, you know, we can tap into a spiritual, a spiritual power that, like Christ said, can move mountains. And sometimes those are physical mountains, and sometimes those are character mountains weaknesses mountains all these things in people's lives and our own and um i'm just grateful that i've stuck around this long because most people most people what you what you felt was there's people listening to this guaranteed i think they're cured so i think it was great to talk about and i you know we commend you for sticking around and and obviously and then thriving and then doing what you do i love analogy so it's kind of like this if i got skin cancer Mm -hmm. and i got it removed (laughs) right and i and I don't put sunblock on or wear a hat, 
it's gonna I'm gonna get skin cancer again on top of my head. True. And and anyone that's got skin cancer on their head doesn't just get it cut out and then go out and sit there fully exposed again. They don't do that. If they do, they're going to get cancer again. And they're, they're actually hardcore. You see them. Yeah. They oh, put yeah. The layers on. They go nuts. Yeah. And so I look at addiction the same way. So if you've actually had that behavior or whatever it is stopped, now you got to do the necessary protection. And my buddies got skin cancer on their head. You put way more, they're way more religious about their sunblock than I am. I never put exactly. it on. Exactly. Right? I <laughs> yeah, can forget right, it. Right, right. I can forget it, but my buddy won't even surf anymore because he got it on his head. Uh, like he's like, I, so I'm like, wear a hat. He's like, he's just so paranoid because it's not that worth hurt. the risk. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and and it's I like us. We, we, we don't even yeah. want to come close to it because the risk of going back to the Brian was, Jay was, yeah. dude, it's, that's death. Even if we live, it's death. Well, Brian, thank you. I look forward to next Tuesday going to Temple with you. Wednesday. Wednesday. It's on Wednesday. my calendar, I know. Wednesday. Wednesday. <laughs> Maybe if we're on schedule, we'll do another podcast we'll do before another, then. Say, I mean, I think we need, the next one needs to be after. All right. Because he's going to be a whole other person, really. <laughs> That's true. Can't wait. Can't right. wait. We're so pumped. All right. Uh, until next time, so anyways, Brad, Jay, Brian. Well, well, one more thing. Yeah. Don't give up. We just heard of the story. If you don't give up, more blessings come. Individually, for your siblings, for, for your generations. Spouse, whatever.
Give him shelter in the hollow of thy hand.